Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, your host, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But don't be fooled. If you've got a pulse, this podcast is for you. If you are hungry for more, if you are fed up with the empty promises of the world, Jesus has more for you. We have been called to communion in Christ. We have been given the mission of bringing people to Jesus and bringing revival to the church. So our title, New Manna, it comes from John six fifty eight. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is the new manna, the bread of life, and he gives himself totally to us in the Holy Eucharist every single day. So if this is your first time tuning in to New Manna, we're super happy to have you. Thanks for being here. And thanks to everybody out there who has left a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You're actually helping us get the word out that Jesus is alive, that he's about a good work, and he is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I have the privilege today of being joined by some friends, some brothers, Mr. Nick Red and Mr. Eric Wamwell. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey, thanks, Lee. Mana. <laughs> what is it? Dude, I gotta be honest. I usually just would press skip forward twice to get a minute past mm-hmm. the beginning of this. I would listen to that every time. Isn't it juicy? Dude, you did something to me. Yeah? You yeah. fired up? I'm fired up. Let's go. Ready to go. Yeah. So people want to know, who is Nick Red? Who is Eric Wamo? Nick, start us off. Uh, yeah, Nick Red from Alton, Illinois. Originally, that's near St. Louis. Moved here to Kansas City by way of Minnesota. I was up there for six years. I served with Net Ministries up in Minnesota for three years mm. and then entered religious life. Brother Nick. Brother Nick. I made it six whole days and I said, I'm out of here. I remember the morning. I was like, God, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. And I read the scripture and said, pick up your mat and go home. That was the day's gospel. And I'm like, say no more, Jesus. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Serious story. And then so then I was figuring out my life for a couple of months and I started working with SPO up in Minnesota. Did that for two and a half, three years. What is SPO? SPO, great question. Stands for St. Paul's Outreach, primarily college and young adult outreach. Our mission is to build missional communities Mm. of people that are living life together and on mission for the sake of Jesus, ultimately building ecclesial communities to use the word Mm. that the church might use, which is a group of people that identify with Jesus, are anointed people living under the Lordship of Jesus and trying to live for him and invite other people to live in that life as well. Um, I work with SPO here in Kansas City now. I've been here for seven years, moved down here 2016, coming up on seven years ago. And I'm the one of the mission directors here in Kansas City. I oversee the outreaches in Kansas City. And uh, I got two little baby girls. Yeah, you do. Perpetua Joy, we call her Tua, and Judith Esther. We call her lots of different things. Um, and What's uh, the primary? Do you have like a top three? Well, we were calling her Et- Eddie, or E-T-E-Y. Eddie. Was it short for Esther? Because Tua was calling her Judas. <laughs> and uh, so when then we, so I mean, close. I was trying to avoid Judy, nothing against any Judys out there. I just, I was like, I don't want a Judy. Um, but Tua calls her Judy and that's just really cute. So we call her Judy Bean or J- JB or Judy B, Judy B, even though her middle name is not B, it's Esther. Right. Mm. So, and then we got a baby boy on the way. We're halfway through the cooking stage. Let's go. Yeah. Baby boy is coming down the pipe in mid-November which is awesome because I ordered four boys in a row after the first two girls. Thank you, Jesus. Which is actually Eric, who he'll share a little more of his story. He prayed an impartation prayer of the Y chromosome over my life, mm-hmm. and, it just, and it worked. 
And here so, we are. Yeah. Like Paul says, I think it's, is it Romans? I, I, I long to come to you that you, I might impart to you a spiritual gift. Yeah. Eric did that. He goes, Nick, I long to come to you to impart my white girl. And Eric over here, he's got two boys with a boy on the way, right? That's right. Yeah. So he's, he's fluent in the white chromosome. Yeah. I've ordered boys only so far so far <laughs> he humbly sure and confidently says team in first yeah that's all i do is do i do boys that's that's all i pump out so i like wrestling <laughs> no, you mentioned spo spo is awesome spo has transformed the face of kansas city and so many other places throughout the country and bishop cousins actually who we just had on the podcast you did yeah yeah we uh we had him on a few episodes ago and awesome he's got some roots in spo he did so. yeah, he lived in spo household up at benedictine and up in minnesota yeah yeah he's he's a boss yeah so thank you bishop cousins for being on yeah move to kansas city we'd love to have you <laughs> like it's your choice Ooh, Eric Womba who is Eric Womba well that's right uh, originally from St. Joseph Missouri so not too far from here moved to Kansas City to go to pharmacy school I'm a pharmacist by training professionally I teach over at UMKC's pharmacy school just heard today just got the the official email from the provost I am a clinical professor now got Woo, promoted. Come top, on, there we go. So what is made, congratulations? Made the professor rank. That's that's essentially as high as you can kind of naturally go within academia. You can go to chair and dean, but you're tenured into the administrative. You're tenured now? No, just, uh, I'm not tenure track. I'm clinical okay. track. Okay. Yeah. So a, a part of <clears throat> what I do also is pharmacy work as a pharmacist. Right. I'm out at uh, Center Point Medical Center here in Independence and do. ID, infectious disease type oh. of consulting. And um, yeah, so that's official. That's what I do in my daily grind is teach pharmacy. That's awesome. And um, do pharmacy work. And then kind of side giggy type stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um, Encounter School of Ministry, there director of the Encounter School of Ministry, which is uh, a new school, a new effort in the, in the diocese in the city here. Uh, started last year, September, we launched the school, had around 70 students enrolled in the school. It's a two-year school that uh, teaches, equips, and activates disciples to demonstrate the love of God in their spheres of influence. We take people through four quarters. The first quarter is identity and transformation. You're a beloved mm-hmm. son and daughter of the Father, and you have access to everything that Jesus had access mm-hmm. to. Uh, second quarter prophetic hearing the word of God for yourself and for others. We are the sheep and he is the shepherd and he longs to speak to his sheep. So teaching on that activations, equippings in that, and then physical healing, which is probably what we're most well known for is the, the physical healing aspect, uh, teaching people the theology behind physical healing, and then really a model for praying for physical healing and seeing that physical healing manifested in the lives of, of the students and, and those around them and finishing up really kind of the core teaching is inner healing, bringing the freedom of Jesus Christ in to the way that we walk, the way that we interact with people that we don't have to be bound by anxiety and depression and fear uh, that Jesus Christ actually frees us of that bondage right. that he came to free us. Um, so that's really the core of the teachings. Yeah. Uh, we do healing services. We just yeah. had a healing service. Yeah, tell, me, tell me about that. Um, Really amazing. Nick was was there as well. Father Joel helped lead the service. Father Joel Haug. Uh, yeah, over rest there. in peace. <laughs> yeah, Just kidding. Just kidding. He's, he's in Sabetha now. <laughs> yeah, he's alive and well, but he 
broke all of our hearts here in Kansas City. So Healing Service, St. Joseph uh, Parish. Yeah. Give me some highlights. Yeah, really amazing. This was the second one that we were able to hold over at St. Joseph Parish. Um, I think both times we ended up right around 600, 700 people that were in the building yeah. um, seeking healing, seeking to see the signs of Jesus manifested uh, in our current life in this current season. And um, first first healing service we had, we weren't really good about numbers, what was happening. We just right. felt the joy and saw the manifestation of really significant healings. Uh, that first healing service, probably one of the uh, two main ones that come to my mind is a woman came with uh, tumors throughout her um, kind of intestines, abdominal mm. cavity, uh, pressed in on some of her vessels to the point where she couldn't have surgery, that couldn't be mm. removed received prayer, had warmth, tingling in her stomach, went for MRI, x-ray, I don't know the exact imaging that sure. was done, but no cancer, no tumors. Completely in the, gone. Completely gone. That was one of the testimonies. And then just wow. a, a, like a fun testimony. This was a, a high school or, or college age uh, kid. He had really bad gluten intolerance <laughs> to the point where if he had any gluten, he would vomit Whoa. and just felt like he was healed in the service. After the service, went back and started pounding zebra cakes and had <laughs> no response to the zebra, zebra cakes. So that, cakes. Those are a, a couple of cool testimonies uh, from the first healing service. And then this past healing service, again, 60, 600, 700 people there. Uh, we, d we did a, a quick count and somewhere between 20 to 30 people with full, complete healing experienced mm. in the service itself. Wow upwards of 40 to 50 people with 50% or better healing, and then over 100 people that experienced some level of healing in That's the wonderful. service. It was super amazing. A lot of joy, a lot of faith. Yeah. Uh, it was an exciting night. At the end of that night, this woman came up to me uh, in her 80s uh, with her husband, and she said, I just wanted to give a testimony to you. Um, I didn't even come for myself. I came for my granddaughter, um, who I prayed for right before that. And, but she said, I just want you to know, I experienced the presence of God for the first time in my life. Wow. She said, I've been going to daily mass for years Wow. and I'm going to continue to go, but I haven't been doing like my personal devotional prayer time. I don't know how, what language she is, but my own, my personal prayer time. And she said, Jesus told me tonight that he wants me to go home and every day break open the scriptures and, and sit mm -hmm. with him. Come on. Like what? Like. <laughs> Jesus yeah. at that age still breaking into someone's life like for the first like, time in my life I experienced the presence wow. of come on that's amazing so good that's, like that's what it's mm. about right yeah that's the goal so good yeah introducing the encounter like bringing everybody to right. the table it's not like right. encounter ministries is like some you yeah. know they don't have a monopoly right it's not it. like it's just uh, yeah. we're bringing people to to Jesus and letting him do the yeah, work. It's right. not like we're doing anything crazy. Right. So yeah. good. Yeah. And it's and the healing isn't the end, right? Like it's the it's the way yeah. to the proof that he is who he says he is, that he is actually alive. Yeah. Um that he is the way, the truth, the life. Um and just the demonstration that I am who I say it's I the, am. Yeah, it's the demonstration of the love of God. Why? So that he can just be like lifted up and praised and glorified. Yes, but so that we can experience his personal and transforming love for us yeah. individually. Corporately, yes. In large settings, yes. But individually, if I get healed, it's because Jesus wants to show me how much he loves me. Mm. Come on. In a word, I want to say this. It's not the end, but it's also the end. It's part of it. It's actually, it's the means to 
it's the means and it's the end. What I mean is like, mm. I will, Jesus is the only person that died, came back to life and didn't die again. It's not like he like died, came back to life, wrote a best-selling book on it, died again. Right. And then, okay, that's awesome. Right. No, he's the, so any healing now is a, a, a manifestation of the reality that the new creation has been established. Mm-hmm. And my broken bone will decay into the earth. But the full end of the story in the New Jerusalem, at the end of the age, everything's going to be restored and I will be completely healed. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's mm-hmm. a reminder that that is actually, yeah. that's why the quote I used that night from Benedict, he says, when understood at a sufficiently deep level, mm-hmm. healing captures the entire content of redemption. It's all about healing. Right. Anyways, it's like both. Yeah. 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 So it's just so freaking good. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the fun things. Everybody here in this room today, we, uh, we, we're on the leadership team for Encounter and we just, we're so excited about what's coming down the pike. And yeah. So if you're, if you want to learn more about Encounter, we're going to drop some stuff in the show notes, a little bit about who we are, links, all that's fun stuff. But take me back to the beginning, gentlemen, of what is your love story of falling in love with Jesus? I'll I'll say this I've uh, I've discovered uh, not recently that I'm I'm a sensitive man. Yeah, I have are. both an emotional sensitivity, uh, and there's some good to that, but there's also some exposure to that uh, that that causes some like up. Oh, I feel a lot spiritual sensitivity. I've always been spiritually sensitive growing up. Uh, physically, I have a low pain tolerance. Kind of kidding. Uh, but just like overall, my whole whole person is always, I've always had a sensitivity. And so growing up, I was aware of God. I was formed, raised in the Catholic Church, raised through an incredible organization that I'm wildly grateful for, Opus Dei. I got a couple Shout of... Shout out, Escrivaz, Saint Day today. Oh my gosh, it's June 26th as it we're recording. It is. That's amazing. Yeah. Good call. Praise Jesus. Thank you, St. Jose Maria, for your just fatherhood and just opening the charge to like really, I mean, before anybody was really talking about this, this universal call to become Jesus in the world, uh, not leave the world to identify with Jesus and go to a monastery, which is also good, but like we're called to be saints in the world. So raised through Opus Dei, really grateful for um, that formation in my life. High school fell off the wagon. Hmm. I was doing the double life thing. I'll spare all the dirty details because it's pretty similar for most people. Um, college, I started at St. Louis University. Uh, left St. Louis University after two years. I kind of got kicked out for trying to feel, steal some lion fountain statue things. We've all been there. Right? Yeah. And uh, thank you. I feel safe here. And uh, hit a hit a rock bottom which I think we all need to hit, which is ultimately like, you can't do it, whatever that looks yep. like for you. And rock bottom, you hit it whenever you decide to put down the shovel and just surrender to them. And that happened in 2009 for me, summer of 2009. I met with a priest because I didn't know who to talk to at a low place 14 years ago, summer of 2009. And I was just sharing stuff with him. And after talking with him, he says, hey, we're just going to turn this into a confession. I said, sweet, let's do it. It's been, it'd probably been seven years mm-hmm. at least since I'd gone to confession. And uh, he pulls out his little stole, throws it on. And uh, I said, okay, let's do it. And so I started sharing stuff. And then I started sharing some other stuff. And I shared stuff that I'd never shared with another soul sure. that I wasn't doing that stuff with. And uh, eventually my eyeballs started to sweat, as they say, <laughs> and uh, snot started coming down, and I was just doing the ugly cry ugly thing. Ugly cry. The ugly cry is the best. It's cleansing and humbling. And, yeah. 
And I remember the moment like it was this morning. It was a sunny day, and it was in Father Sean Monahan. Shout out, uh, Oblate of the Virgin Mary. He he. Uh, I was in his office, and I poured it all out there. And the first words out of his mouth were, "Welcome home." Mm. And I don't know what he meant. I can guess what he meant. Yeah. But what I heard and what I felt in not just my heart, but in my whole person was that for the first time in my life, I felt at home like with myself, with my God. I mean, it is the church, right? But what do we mean by that? Like in his home. Yeah. I was home with my father in the temple that I am living in. It, it was just, and so my penance was to go next door into the church and to say yes. He says, go up before the tabernacle. St. Mary's in Alton, Illinois, go say yes. And so I did. I went up there and I just said yes. And I didn't have language for it at the time. Right. But whatever you want to say, I was baptized in the spirit at that moment. The spirit of God fell on me. And, yeah. f- and it was like this joy valve was released in my heart. And I felt like this, I don't know how to explain it, this chemical of joy flooding my body. And, uh, or I was born again, I was regenerated, I, I had my conversion, whatever language you want to use, I, sure. I'm, I encountered the living God that moment, uh, 2009. And there's a whole bunch of stories that have, of encounter that have happened since then. And even just with the Eucharist, yeah. but that was, um, I guess you could say as an adult, my Galilee moment, mm. uh, where I, where he called me, he says, you're mine now. Mm. And it's been a, a, a wildly messy, uh, road of a minefield, you know, trying to navigate that stuff here. And there's, as the more I've grown in him, the less my, you know, minds yeah. there are along the way, yeah. but it's, it's been an awesome journey. Yeah. I mean, Jesus talks about rescuing, you know, your, your sheep or your oxen or whatever that has fallen into the ravine on the Sabbath day. Right. And it's like, yeah, us as his sheep, we still hear his voice. We know his voice. He calls us by name, but man, even after that, we can still fall in the pits and the ravines and stuff. And he's going to pick us out right. every single time. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Amen. It's great. Yeah. <clears throat> For me, uh, I don't want to say similarly cause it's not similarly, but, uh, living a, living a life that was not overtly Christian, uh, nothing about my life. Someone could look at and say, Oh, that's a, that's a Christian, Christian guy attending mass, maybe 50% of the Sundays that I ought. And, uh, at the time going to the cathedral downtown on the Kansas City, Missouri side, the gold dome, uh, lived down there. I've been a parishioner there for the last 12, 13, 14 years. Pretty amazing. Um, and if you've been there, it's one of those sanctuaries where the tabernacle is not directly behind the altar, mm-hmm. but it's, it's off to the right side. If it would, if you had like a side altar, it'd be on that right side, mm-hmm. side altar, uh, beautiful gates surrounding it. And I would always sit over on that right side in front of the tabernacle. Now, mind you, my level of faith at that time was not such that I was sitting there with a purpose because Jesus was in that tabernacle. I was sitting there because it was like, this is off to the side. I'm not a part of this group Mm. that like I belong over here to the side and really had no concept of personal prayer at that time. Um, prayer to me would have been saying in our father or hail Mary, that was prayer, not personal prayer, but I'd get there 10 minutes early because that was the training and I'd sit there and I just stared at this tabernacle and one Sunday 
just had this powerful vision that came upon me of me leading a life that was totally contradictory to the life that I was currently leading. Mm -hmm. Um, This life of, um, I'm just going to use the word holiness, uh, Mm -hmm. of this life of actually maybe living a life like the apostles or the disciples, which would which was just really not practically in my mind possible at that point in time. Uh, There would need to be things that happened in my life that uh, would hurt and would be radical, that would radically shift my life. And uh, so I'm seeing kind of this vision of holiness uh, that the Lord desired for me. And at the same time, seeing two things that would happen to me um, that would be, that would hurt, that would be painful, mm. um, but that would shift me in such a way that that life would be possible. Wow. Fast forward within 30 days, uh, both of those things happen. I'm kind of at my knees, um, mm. shouting out for the Lord, but recognizing uh, that that was the Father, just encountering the Father's heart in preparing me, giving me a vision for the purpose of what I'm walking into. Um, and then at that same time, uh, having a, a, a rediscovering Catholicism, Matthew Kelly book, pretty popular around that time. It was being Dude, handed yeah, out at, I read the, it. at the Christmases and yeah. the Easters. And so praise the Lord for that. I had, had a copy, started reading it and just convicted of the father's love for me, convicted mm. of the sin that I was walking in, convicted mm. of my need for confession to the point of like shaking in anticipation wow. of my need to wow. go to confession, um, making a really heartfelt confession, probably been 10 years since I had made a confession mm. and just feeling the overflowing love of yeah. the father wow. on me at that time. Yeah. Come so, on, Matthew Kelly right. for the win. He's probably listening to the podcast right for sure definitely Definitely. absolutely matthew leave a review could you love you maddie boy maddie boy (laughs) wow that's profound uh what a mystical experience yeah eric used a word vision yeah uh and then he said mystical experience i think these are more accessible i mean we know those are more accessible to the average human than most of us think when you say vision could you put language to that? Like you yeah. experienced, you sitting at the tabernacle looking at it and you had a vision of what your life could be. Yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I think we can uh, probably give two definitions here. You can have open visions or you can uh, have a, a vision that's like a movie playing on the screen of your imagination. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was certainly not like a an open vision where I felt transported and, and things moved and shook and yeah. changed. This was more of a, uh, really no different than if I were to, to daydream type of mm-hmm. experience where I just felt like yep. the movie of this of this potential in my life was being played on the screen of, of my imagination. That's helpful. Sure. Yeah. My, my guess is anybody listening to this, as you're telling that story, whether or not they've been to the Gold Dome, if they have, they're seeing something in their mind's eye as you're telling the story. If they haven't, they're imagining it. So they're having a, quote, vision, if you will, of what you're saying as they're listening, right? So like on your imagination... Yeah. There, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, that's great. And I just love that the Lord loves to communicate to us through us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you asked for that, no. but it was pure grace. It was just He gave you this this gentle, so good, subtle download yeah. of you said daydream. That's so accurate because you 
what do you do to how do you get into a daydream you drift into a daydream right it's right. just kind of something that just hmm. happens kind of like washes into your 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 mind's eye so yeah i mean the lord loves to communicate to us through us um through one another but also directly um but yeah amen if yeah. you got the holy spirit come on and even if you don't saint paul so what is your experience what is your relationship with the lord in the eucharist today what's that look like sweet you want to go first yeah i can i can hop in on that um i had a a really interesting season uh this past fall as we were getting in the encounter school started here in kansas city uh, uh our family had a bit of this like month month and a half season where things just couldn't go right for us it mm. seemed like uh every monday night we'd have class and uh invariably one of the kids would be really sick that Monday night. Uh, I had a significant fall, really hurt my ankle. Uh, one of our kids had a pretty significant fall during that time. And I'm, uh, I'm asking the Lord at that time, like, what what is going on yeah. right now? And And I think one, just to describe my relationship with Jesus as a relationship where I ask him questions on a regular basis with the expectation that he has answers to give me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just a really conversational uh, relationship with him. So I'm I'm asking him about that in, in a time of prayer and just felt this conviction of uh, my, my need to spend more time with him in adoration, in yeah. Eucharistic adoration. You're just blessed to to live uh, really a block away from an adoration chapel. So now that's a, a part of my morning routine is to go on a short run and then I head down to the adoration chapel and spend an hour with him. And uh, my relationship one now is, is complete dependence yeah. upon him and complete need for his grace in, in my life. Uh, it, it's so funny that I, I thirst to get in front of yeah. him. Like I desire to be in front of him. Uh, I was uh, really affected at one point in time. Uh, how do these devotions come into our lives? Yeah. We will only know in the future, right? Uh, when we get our lives played back for us, devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus really early on in my conversion play came into my life and have always been really affected by this quote in that devotion from Jesus that says something to the, the degree of how he is lonely in the tabernacles of the churches and how he longs for his people, his sons and his daughters to come and spend yeah. time with him. And any time that uh, I find myself near a chapel, like that thought comes yeah. through my high, through my mind of, just wanted to give a, a couple of minutes yeah. to him and always just feeling his presence so profoundly when I when I take that time to walk in and and be with him. Uh, so yeah, relationship now is one of trust, one of personal relationship, and right. one of the desire to to continue to spend time with him yeah. in the in the Eucharist. Yeah, I passing by Jesus in our, our churches, our Catholic churches, knowing that he's there and having this like miniature prayer of communion as I drive by. Yeah. But even more so, like if you have the freedom and the flexibility to just like stop and step into the church, right. 
or if it's locked, just like touch the walls of the church. Yeah. You know, and just have that moment of physical communion with our Lord. It's profound. It's profound. Yeah. It's good. Dude, you're making me hungry. I mean, candidly, I go through seasons. Yeah. Uh, like sometimes I lit, I actually feel the draw. It feels like a physical thing. I feel hungry. Mm. Um, what I think what resonates with me the most um, is this concept of really living as a tabernacle. Mm. Um, mm. Apparently, some saints have like had the grace of like the Eucharist kind of remaining in them perpetually kind mm. of thing like a perpetual i don't know experience of it and and ultimately the final destination of the eucharist is to be consumed to become one with mm. me for me to become one with him and the I, I forget the name of the document but in that document it says if our eucharistic worship is authentic it must make us grow in awareness of the dignity of each person yeah, yeah. the That's awareness good. of that dignity becomes the deepest motive of our relationship with our neighbor mm. and just daily mass ideally is daily for me. It isn't, um, every day, but I just, what gives me fired up and we're sent out on mission in a unique way for those 15 minutes or so, not only representing him as ambassadors, which, which that's also true, but I become him. And yeah. when that worship is authentic and I feed on him and I commune on him and I become him, this renewal of the mind that I, what my relationship with the Lord lived out as a, as a mission, as an ambassador, as, I mean, it's just the, 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 the intimacy and communion tied to the mission of, of bringing him and his authority and his kingdom into the world just by loving our neighbor, even just Eric, as you were talking before we pressed record, actually, you mind sharing that? Like this incredible story of you were at Panera. Yeah. Yeah. Can you share that story? Yeah. I was at Panera getting a little work done before we recorded this. Um, and my attention was drawn to this son and a father, at least I perceived it to be a son and a father that were, uh, the son was having a bagel, father waiting on his meal and saw the son continually trying to engage the father, um, telling conversation or telling stories, just looking at him with longing eyes, looking at his dad's face with longing eyes while the dad was locked in on his phone the entire time. Mm. Uh, I, I had the advantage point to see he was just playing games, um, not really even doing anything mm. and just felt a conviction and a call out of the love for that son and the relationship of that father and son. Uh, just to give a quick word of encouragement to the father and was able to give that quick word of encouragement that his son loved him and desired to engage him and uh, just an encouragement to, to engage him back that to love him as so, the father. So loves. you grabbed him before you left. He said, Hey, yeah. sir, can I just talk to you for 30 seconds? Yeah. And you just, yeah, you both encouraged him, empowered him and called him on. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, where does that source, where does that power, where does that motivation come from? It comes from the living God within yeah. you. And yeah, I, I, and and also just if any of my extroverts out there can relate to this, I sometimes struggle with Eucharistic adoration when there's other people in the room. Yeah. Yeah. I like to talk out loud. And it's like, I don't know what I'm thinking until I start talking out loud. Like my spiritual director encourages me to read the scriptures out loud. Same. Nick, like say them out loud so you can get them in you, so you can understand them more. 
um, pray your prayers out loud. So even just if I just stop by the church and just within the tabernacle, it's just, if I'm by myself, that's just really helpful for me. Can I tell a story about the first time I experienced conviction that Jesus was real in the Eucharist? Come on. Okay. So 2009, rock bottom, Jesus, born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Tell me what that means. So, okay, what does that mean? So uh, in a nutshell, so baptize, fun fact, uh, Nicholas of Candor is the first uh, historian to write about, he's not a historian, he was a, I don't know what he I was. love this fun fact. He, he wrote a, the first time baptize is found in history is pre-Bible, um, or at least pre-New Testament. I don't know what year BC, let's say 500 BC. Look yeah, it up. Yeah, it's close. And it was for a recipe for Pickles! Pickles! Pickles that you bapto, you dip the cucumber in boiling water, and then you baptizo, you baptize it in vinegar until it becomes another uh, vegetable. It becomes a pickle. It's literally changed. It's transformed into something else. And baptism in the Holy Spirit, Father Cantalamesa, I like how he explains it. Who's Father Cantalamesa? He is the papal household preacher. So Pope John Paul II uh pope benedict and still pope francis have him as the uh he gives the retreats for those in the papal household he preaches to he the pope. preaches to the pope and uh he writes he was baptized in the holy spirit at uh i think arrowhead stadium in 1977 sounds right and uh so he says that confirmation is a tied sacrament or a, a bound sacrament that like the grace is efficacious, which ultimately means it does what it does, ex operate, operatum, something like that. I'll let the theologians say those words. Uh, but basically it does what it does. But the disposition of the individual receiving the sacrament really matters. And most people are not disposed to the graces being released in their life. So many of us are confirmed yours truly. I was confirmed. Grandma Myrtle, shout out. She was my sponsor. Uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have an experience like you read in the New Testament, particularly the book of Acts, at what happens when confirmation uh, is supposed to occur. Bishop kind of smacks your cheek and you're supposed to, which I don't think that really happens anymore. Does that still happen? I think it kind of should, but, uh, <laughs> and, so, and so, and so basically what Father Conte Lamesa says is when you give your volition, your voluntary yes, you say, Jesus is Lord, I ask you to release your Holy Spirit in me. There's a full release. The, 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 the Godhead gets permission from you and his presence is released into your life. So you are immersed in his presence in the Holy Spirit. And usually there's manifestations, whether through physical experiences, the gift of speaking in tongues. Yeah. And often, uh, manifestation of the power gifts of the Holy Spirit for the upbuilding of the church, which is what Eric was talking about earlier, prophecy, healing, words of knowledge. Often associated, but not necessary. Often associated. And I just love this. If I could sum it up, it's just like baptism in the Holy Spirit is an encounter with the living God right. in which you can't go on living your life the way that you were beforehand. Yep. Yep. It's just you're transformed and something is literally different. Yep. And, and I, you. that's right. I had the experience before I even had that language. Uh, yeah. Mine was, and they're all tied to the sacraments, right? Mm -hmm. Mine was very closely, time wise, chronologically, five minutes tied to the sacrament of reconciliation, of yeah. penance. Wow. I repented, Jesus, I give you my life. And all I did was say yes. Yeah. And, and I experienced this fuller release of God's presence in my life and yeah. I encountered him. First time I ever was baptized in the Holy Spirit was the first time I ever went to Mass. So I was funny. I remember being in high school and my Whoa. wife, my now wife was like, we've been dating for, I don't know, a few weeks at this point. 
and uh, she's like, I don't know what you're doing on Sunday, but would love to have you, you know, my family's going to mass. Like, if you want to come with us. And I'm like, that sounds great. What's mass? Um, I just didn't know the first thing about it. No way. So go into Corpus Christi Catholic Church in Lawrence, Kansas. And, um, you know, the whole kneel, genuflect. I genuflected the wrong way because the processional cross was back there. I was, I was just thrown. I was thrown. The whole thing it was funny. But uh, the <laughs> so glory. You genuflected backwards. backwards. <laughs> Everyone's like, this dude, he's a rookie. This he guy. He does not belong here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how the tables have turned. Um but it was funny because, um, yeah, that was funny. However, during the Gloria, like something so simple and so taken for granted um, in the church today is the Gloria. But organ was rolling, the, the adult choir was rolling. And if you're in this place, you know, if, if you've been to Corpus Christi, you know, it's just this giant tiled space. And everything, any sound resonates for like at least five, ten seconds. So if you were to say anything, it, you would hear it for another five or 10 seconds. So it's just powerful, powerful reverb. And I remember going home and looking up the words of the glory. I was trying to find out what this song Mm. was called. I just thought it was a song. Like, what's this song? Cause I want to, I want to listen to the song more and more. Um, But I, I was in after I heard that song. So if you think the the music at your parish is, if you think it's like lackluster, freaking sing and change it because somebody in the pew is waiting for you to bear witness through the beauty of music and it's only going to get better if you uh, play your part wow that's cool i've heard that's a very difficult song to write music to Mm. like you know the the notes and everything right i don't know but it was just that's amazing it felt like the director it felt like the whole church was like being swept up into heaven and it wasn't anything anybody was doing like super specially it was just the Gloria, yeah, the church, yeah. the body of Christ, giving glory to God. Yeah, wow, love it. It's amazing. It's amazing the difference music can make in yeah. our in our physical experience of the mass. We're, we're yeah. physical beings, and it's, it's important. I was having a conversation with my mom about Vatican II recently on the phone uh, to tie together Opus Day over here uh, from the conversation earlier. And she was like, I, I feel like I've got to find a Latin mass to go to regularly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, huh. um, and, and I'm, she's like, and, and Vatican II just like ruined the mass. And, <laughs> and she was talking about how bad the singing is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I sometimes feel like we as a Catholic church have a misinterpretation of what happened at Vatican II and like Mm. what its purpose was. Vatican II was not about putting bad music into the churches. Uh, Vatican II was about, as you said earlier, empowering the lay faithful to pursue a lifestyle of holiness that the work of evangelization is not just the work of the religious and that the call of holiness is not just for the religious, that the whole call on every single lay person is a life of holiness and a life of evangelization. And, um, and, and, and so I just wanted to like speak that out that, that, that the, the call to each and every one of us is this lifestyle of holiness and that, um, 
And that even like the translation into the English, the translation of the scripture into the English, we're talking about the power of scripture in your own prayer life, speaking that out. And like when we hear things in our native language, when we hear scripture spoken Mm -hmm. to us in our native language, it should convict us. The the word has power. The word spoken has power in our lives to convict us and to convict others. And that hearing that in our natural tongue has power in our lives, just as the first century Christians, they heard the word of Jesus in their native tongue. It wasn't in yeah. some foreign tongue that they were hearing this spoken Dude, to them. And so it's like, good. it's very natural for us yeah. to want to hear things in our, yeah. in our native tongue. Nothing wrong with Latin mass, nothing wrong with we the new Latin. right either, but just, just yeah. being really clear that like the goal here is for our, the lay people's sanctification. Yeah. Amen. So anyway, no, Good I love music. it. Uh, the the, hmm. the the native tongue. Another fun word for that is vernacular. There you Vern. go. I think I'm gonna name my first boy vernacular. Just call him Vern. Vern. Hey, Vernie. Vernie boy. What one thing I really appreciate about it, the the Latin Massey extraordinary form is everything is is all about. I mean, it's every. I I, I appreciate me some odd orientum. I appreciate yeah. that. Sure. Um, which, if you don't know, what that means that's where the the priest is looking with the people rather than ad populum, where he's looking at the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and I, I appreciate that. My wedding mass was ad orientum, but everything is so Eucharistic centric in a, yeah. in a in a extraordinary form. And the first time uh, I had an experience of the Eucharist was just probably two months after the story I shared earlier with Father Sean. So it was probably September, October, right after summer, 2009. I am sitting, it was a Saturday morning. It was, uh, no, it was Sunday morning because Saturday there was, um, so the Oblates of the Virgin Mary staff my parish back home in Alton, Illinois. They're out in Boston. They're at a couple places in the country, but their mother house is out in Boston. Um, and they staff my parish back home. And this priest, Father Namdi, from Nigeria was ordained at my parish. They always did the ordinations there, and I've served multiple growing up. It was awesome. Such a privilege. And Father Namdi was ordained a priest at St. Mary's in Alton, Illinois, summer or like September or October 2009. That Sunday, and I was like still in the midst of this minefield conversion. I gave my life to Jesus, but I'm still bartending, just like double life, like battling addiction. But like, I want to live this thing. I'm going to confession regularly. Um, and then, but this Sunday morning, Father Namdi celebrates his first mass. Mm. Bunch of priests are there. He's up there, young, probably 32-ish year old, large, incredibly holy man from Nigeria. Father Namdi is up there doing the prayer of consecration, which is the prayer over at the elements to become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And he takes the host and he leans over and he's speaking the words at the host. And I, at this point, I'm still kind of just going through the motion of mass mm. and just kind of just getting, just going through the motion. And he says the words, he says, take this, all of you, and eat of it. And then there's, I'm not exaggerating, probably a full minute of dead silence in the church. Mm. And I'm kind of going back there in my in my memory right now. Just I'm there, front row, front right, and he is he's choked up. He can't continue. Wow, that's cool. And and I and that's I in the silence kind of shocks you, right? Yeah. And I and I'm like just I I look up. I'm just kind of I don't know where my mind was, but I look up, and this big priest 
from Nigeria, Father Namdi. He's holding the host and this tear is streaming down his cheek. And I'm like, oh, shiza. And I'm thinking, what's happening? And I don't know how to explain it, you know, these spiritual experiences you have, but it was as if like my heart was like ripped out of my chest. And I'm like, it's real. This is real. Yeah. And he continues, take this. This is my body. And I'm like, what? And he elevates the, the chalice. This is my blood. And then we stand up. We do the Our Father, the sign of peace. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And but I'm like I'm kind of freaking out because I was raised through Opus Day. I was I was taught that you do a pre- prepare for the Eucharist, and then you also do some Thanksgiving after Mass. But I never I don't know I I, I just kind of went through the motions. But I'm like oh my gosh, and this is pre Mass translation uh, where they shifted things around. So I'm like Lord, I'm not worthy uh, to receive you, but only say a word, the word, you know, and I shall be healed. But I, I like actually prayed that for the first yeah. time in my life. It's and I was like freaking out. Like, I don't think I'm, wor- I'm not worthy. I don't know whether or not I should receive even, but it, and then I stayed after like, what just happened? And I haven't had a moment like that, but it's helpful to even just recall it. This is the power of just recalling the testimonies of the mm-hmm. Lord in your own life and his breaking in because it just remind it takes you back there and it gives you access to tap into the well of grace that that those moments are to tap into. And when I recall it, I just continue to get hungry again to to feed on him. And 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 I started that was when daily mass started for me after that. Um I started going to daily mass and often I would do confession before daily mass again, addiction. I was and whether or not I was in mortal sin or not, I don't really know because of addiction and all that. But right. Um, but I wanted to go to confession before I received the Eucharist. And Amen. so often father Sean was just, we'd do a quick, Hey father, I, it, it was often quick confession, kind of standing confession yeah. back in the sacristy. He's like, are you sorry for your sins? I'm like, yes. And he goes, okay, you're absolved. And, and it was true contrition, but um, that's, that was one of the bigger moments of experience in the Eucharist by, by this priests again, the sacraments, efficacious. Yep. What's so unique about bringing Jesus out of the tabernacle? Nothing actually changes. There's no like gold, the gold door presence. doesn't stop his presence, but yep. actually it disposes us when he's out there, yep. right? Uh, when a priest is reverent and sincere and holy uh, and in love, that'll do something to the congregation. And it did something to me. Uh, when he celebrated the mass that day. Yeah. So Father Nomini, thank you for your witness to me. And yeah. That's powerful, Nick. Super yeah. powerful. And just a, a great example yeah. of just how the Lord works in in these everyday, quote unquote, everyday right. events that yep. that if we have our eyes open, yeah. if we're aware, like he's gonna he's gonna move in right. our lives. And maybe even going back to the question about what's my relationship with Jesus now is it's almost an expectation mm, yeah. of that, an expectation that Jesus is going to move in the everyday, everyday. occurrences yeah. of my life that yeah, right. I'm, I'm sitting in Panera and I'm right. expecting right. Jesus to be present. I'm expecting right. him to move. I'm expecting him to not just to move in my life, but in other people's lives, right. maybe through me, maybe through somebody else. But there's an expectation that none of this is just do to do to do. I just yeah. got to get to Sunday mass. We are kingdom bringers wherever yeah. we go. Like we're not just subject to the, the powers and principalities of this world and whatever mm-hmm. around us. No, we actually get to change the environment and change the climate anywhere we walk. Yeah. Every situation online, in person, it does not matter. 
we have access to what the Lord has for us. We have access to his inheritance and we can not just notice the temperature, but actually change it ourselves through him who gives us strength. So so come on, baby. What you were saying earlier about how like you were thirsting to, to be for thirsting for his word yeah, and for the word incarnate. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that's such a great way to put it. Cause I wake up in the morning and I thirst. Yeah. I thirst for the word, put yeah. the, get the Bible out, read two, two chapters of the gospel chronologically, just working my way through every yeah. day and, and speaking it out loud because mm-hmm. like I've got notes and I don't want to get buried in all the, the facts. It's like, okay, we actually have the authority through his word to change reality around us. Yeah. And when Jesus's words are spoken, his eternal words are spoken out loud into creation. They literally change creation. They change reality. And I, I, yeah, I just couldn't advocate enough for when you do read, um, try and like do it out loud. The word of God is meant to be proclaimed. Mm. Yep. Mm. There's yeah. power in that. Living and active. It's good. Yeah. Well, what, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm reluctant to give a, a verse on this, that we are, uh, that we have been placed in heaven, mm. uh, past tense. We are actively somewhere in there in the New Testament. We actively have been placed in heaven. That this isn't this isn't actually a residence for the future. That this is a current residence for us, and this is a part yeah. of how we are a new creation in Christ. Is that we are both members, citizens yeah. of heaven, but we are also citizens of earth. And so, yeah, as we go, as you were saying, Lee. We should we should have the expectation that the Lord wants to work through us as we are citizens of heaven. Yeah. Our Father, yeah. right? Like yeah. your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That there's a way that we can do that. There's a way that we have been empowered to do that mm-hmm. is because we are citizens of both heaven and earth, able to bring the kingdom here on earth. Heaven, man, it's a funny topic. Yep. God is not in heaven. Heaven is in God, right? The heaven, creator heaven. of everything. Yeah. He created the heavens and the earth. Heaven does not contain God. God contains heaven. Yep. Heavens. That's, that's the a whole heavens. other topic. Oh, there's a whole topic. Yep. <laughs> we can go there. Plural. Heaven is where he is. And if he's in us, hello. Heaven is in you? You telling me I got a portal inside of me? Access. access. Come on, baby. Direct line. No hold with the Lord. What advice would you give? to anybody out there who's on the fence about the Eucharist. Maybe they haven't had that heart-to-head connection or, yeah, whatever the reason, um, whatever the battle, whatever the struggle, um, what, what advice would you give to anybody out there who's on the fence about the whole Eucharist? Uh, the first thing that came to my mind, uh, there's this quote from now Pope St. Benedict uh, of his installation, the, the speech or the letter that he wrote at his installation that I feel like I'm living out now that I've once I maybe just practically understood, but now I've experienced, and that is that Jesus takes nothing away from us. And it's it's the very last, very last paragraph of this letter. And I think just reading it has a lot of effect and I think it would be the encouragement that I that I would give anyone who's on the fence about Jesus's real presence in the Eucharist. Uh, at this point my mind goes back to October 22nd, 1978 when Pope John Paul II began his ministry here in St. Peter's Square. His 
Words on that occasion constantly echo in my ears. He said, do not be afraid. Open wide the doors for Christ. The Pope was addressing the mighty, the powerful of this world who feared that Christ might take away something of their power hmm. if they were let, if they were to let him in, if they were to allow the faith to be free. Yes, he would certainly have taken something away from them, the dominion of corruption, the manipulation of law, and the hmm. freedom to do as they pleased, but he would not have taken a away anything that pertains to human freedom or dignity or to the building up of a just society. The Pope was also speaking to everyone, especially the young. Are we not perhaps all afraid in some way? If we let Christ enter fully into our lives, if we open ourselves totally to him, are we not afraid that he might take something away from us? Are we not perhaps afraid to give something up significant, something unique, something that makes life so beautiful? Do we not then risk ending up diminished and deprived of our freedom? And once again, the Pope said, no, <laughs> no. If we let Christ into our lives, we lose nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing of what, what makes life free, beautiful, and great. No, only in this friendship are the doors of life opened wide. Only in this friendship is the great potential of human existence truly revealed. Only in this friendship do we experience beauty and liberation. And so today, with great strength and great conviction, on the basis of a long personal experience of life, I say to you, dear young people, do not be afraid of Christ. He takes nothing away, and He gives you everything. When, you give, when we give ourselves to Him, we receive a hundredfold in return. Yes, open, open wide the doors to Christ, and you will find true life. Amen. And I think that would be like the basis of my encouragement is to open wide, like open wide your, your heart to Christ's presence in the Eucharist. Um, to go and give him five, 10 minutes in adoration, uh, and ask, I even would say like, ask him a question. I ask him this question, um, with an expectation that he's going to respond, asking the question, Jesus, are you real? Or Jesus, are you really present in the Eucharist? Um, and I, I'm just convicted that he will respond, uh, with an answer in that moment. Amen. Yeah, you got to kind of where I was, what I was thinking. Uh, I mean, to quote the man, XVI, again, Pope Benedict, uh, he says, Christianity is not the result of an ethical choice yeah, or a lofty idea, but it's it's an encounter with a person, with yeah. an event. And and I, I mean, at the end of the day, if we haven't encountered him, this is a very difficult thing to live. And it will probably be just a house of cards. And so we need an encounter. And so listener, first of all, if you're listening to this and you haven't had that encounter, yeah, or you're good. like not convinced of the Eucharistic presence or that Jesus is in the presence of the Eucharist, I mean, good for you. Good on you. Listen to this. Um, but I, you need an encounter. You need an encounter with him. And so basically what Eric just said, I would say, place yourself in his presence and ask him, I, I need you to make yourself real. Are you real? Are you really here? Because um, I, I think... I don't know, at least in my life growing up, there has been, there was a lot of like, hey, you can't, can't ask for those kinds of things. Yeah. Don't ask. I'm like, well, I think he wants to give us and he wants to encounter us and he wants us to encounter him like that. He desires that. And so opening your heart, prayer changes yeah. things, prayer, prayer, prayer. It becomes a cliche, but pray, ask him, yeah. ask him questions too. I love that you do that, Eric, because that, that can be hard. Ask 
seek, knock. It's hard to ask. For yeah. some reason, it can be. Yeah. Um, so ask him. Yeah. And there's no wrong, there's no wrong way to go. It's like whatever you're asking, whatever you're seeking, whatever you're knocking, like if you're hungry and the desire is there and yeah. the, the, the heart is earnest, yeah, then the Lord's gonna respond in the way like in the way that you're gonna receive it. Yeah. He's not gonna give you anything that he doesn't also like help you appropriate into your life. And like he's not gonna speak in a way that you don't understand. He's gonna like he's a loving shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. He's not some like tyrant right. who's like, get on my level. Understand me, dang it. It's like, no, it's not how he works. It's not how he works. Yeah. Uh, he's gentle. He's he's kind. He can be ferocious when he needs to be. Like he he can speak in subtle, small nudges, but he can also level us with the two by four. Yeah. Like that's that's God. Like he can mm-hmm. do anything. He can communicate to us in any way uh, for our good. For our good. Yeah. Yeah. He wants our good. It's not like some game he's trying to play with us. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and as you're saying that, one of the things that's coming to my mind is, am I even putting myself in a position to be rocked? Am I putting myself in a position, in a circumstance, in a place, in an event that Mm. gives access to Jesus to rock me, to give access to Jesus to prove to me that he is who he says he is? Mm. Um, I mean, I've had the experience of of kind of, I mean, yeah, the... I was in a place where the Lord had access to rock me if he wanted to. And I, and I think that's a, a big part of this too is, am I putting myself in a position for yeah. Jesus to show up both internal and external is my ex am I in a place where, where Jesus can show up? Yeah. Uh, and then internally, am I in a place that facilitates Jesus's presence as yeah. well? So, yeah. And something that something that's come to mind just listening to you guys talk is you don't don't run alone. Yeah, don't run alone. Um, you don't have to do this by your sheer willpower. Right. Yeah. Um, this is not on you. Uh, and it, but man, how much more fun and gratifying it is to uh, climb a mountain with friends. Yeah. So find somebody who um, maybe they don't completely understand or uh, whatever. Like maybe it's not. All there, but the point is like running together. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to run alone. Seek together. Ask, seek, knock. Matthew seven. Read the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, yeah, just sit there and uh, yeah, and allow him to speak to you because he will. Mm-hmm. He never backs down from a showdown. I like that. You guys want to jump into this this awesome document we're talking about today? Let's do it. Right, we got stuff to say. Good. So today we're gonna go through this document called Dominice Cene by Pope St. John Paul II. This is an apostolic letter to his brother bishops in the church. And what's this document about? It's about the mystery and worship of the Holy Eucharist. So Pope John Paul II is writing this document to his brother bishops for this purpose. It's kind of summed up pretty well at the end of paragraph two, where he says, Thus we bishops and priests are entrusted with the great mystery of faith, while it is also given to the whole people of God, to all believers in Christ. Yet to us has been entrusted the Eucharist also for others who expect from us a particular witness of veneration and love toward the Holy Eucharist, so that they too may be able to be built up and vivified, filled with life. Why? To offer spiritual sacrifices. So this document is an effort. It is a plea. It is a cry to the church for those in leadership, the bishops, the priests 
of the world for the sake of vivifying, for giving life to the body so that we may more comprehensively be able to offer spiritual sacrifices with Christ himself in the Holy Mass to partake in the Eucharist even more fully. So gentlemen, what are some of your greatest hits from this brief section? I'll jump in. One of the things that stood out to me, this is uh, from paragraph three, towards the end of paragraph three. Let us be generous with our time in going to meet him in adoration and in contemplation that is full of faith and ready to make reparation for the great faults and crimes of the world by our adoration that never ceases. Uh, what that brought my, brought my attention to, I, I mentioned this earlier, but the devotion to the Sacred Heart, and this is, again, one of those things that is just always always on my heart. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just read this again. An integral part of the devotion is the desire of our Lord to have Catholics make reparation for the neglect indifference and ingratitude of the majority that results in Jesus Christ being left alone, abandoned, and forgotten on our altars, never visited to offer consolation for such neglect, though he has given us the miracle of his divine presence as a supreme gift to us in his desire to be always with us. And just, um, just the, the, yeah, the, the, just my the humanistic desire there almost of of Christ that he he doesn't desire to be there alone that he that he doesn't desire to be left alone that he's he's given everything for us yeah. and and the call the call to make reparation for the neglect that that we have for him uh and the call to simply visit him yeah as we said earlier like a simple hello. One of the things that um, I frequently do with my boys is we'll go to a playground that's near a church that has adoration. We'll play on the playground. And then when we're done, my boy Max says, all right, time to go say hello to Jesus. We go into adoration chapel and we just spend a minute, like just a minute. We just say hi to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for being you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for our lives. And that's it. We just want to say, say hello. Yeah. So that, that was one of the things that stuck out to me. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I, I underlined that and I was reminded of a, a conversation I've heard between Henry now and mother Teresa. Um, two things that stand out to me in that sentence, let us be generous with our time going to meet him in adoration. It's generous. And then what it says is that's full of faith. Yeah. So going there, I love the simplicity of faith and have you put language to it, like expecting God to show up, expecting him to give mm-hmm. you an answer, expecting him to speak yeah. this confident expectation that he wants to speak that he is there. Right. And then the generosity with which to go, this, this, um, the story is something to the effect of Henry Nowen once asked mother Teresa, uh, uh, for a spiritual direction. And she simply said, spend one hour each day in adoration with your Lord and never do anything you know is wrong. Follow this and you'll be fine. <laughs> but just sit there adoring him. And that's hard that an hour a day that, I mean, I, that's that's generous for a lot of us. I remember right. the first time my buddy is a supernumerary, Tom Hain, state senator in Illinois. Shout out. He uh, I remember when he was first walking with me uh, as as a story I shared earlier, just giving my life to the Lord as an adult. And he would take me after we play frisbee golf, for example. He'd take me by the adoration shop for ten minutes. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. He's like, just sit there. And that was really hard. Yeah, that was that was generous. The, the, 
those 10 minutes for me was, was generous. And I, I, you know, I don't, but stuff was accomplished there and just being generous and then going there full of faith, which is a gift from the Lord. So yeah. asking for the gift of faith going there um, before him is, I think, a really big deal. Yeah. yeah, it can happen in there. The hour for me is not I started doing an hour. Yeah. Right? Um, and and I think that's, what's generosity to me? What what Where am I at currently? Where mm-hmm. is Jesus going to meet me currently? This is... And I don't want to say like I've built it up as a workout, but this has been built up over 10 years of me regularly mm-hmm. going to adoration and the desire increasing yeah. in my heart, not because it's a desire on my heart, but because it's the desire being placed upon me by Jesus and a yeah. grace being placed upon yeah. me. And there's another woman that I a frequent that's frequently in adoration at the same time that I am. And we will frequently say at the end of our hour, like that was too quick. Like, where did the time go like i need more of that and uh and i and i think we should have an expectation that that time is going to go quickly and jesus is going to do a lot during that time in our own hearts as well but it it may be 10 minutes it seems like forever to start with and that's i think that's okay until we really come into relationship because sometimes you might be meeting with someone i don't know you might meet with a stranger uh, where a 10 minute conversation feels like a lifelong <laughs> conversation, like yeah. it was pulling yeah. teeth, that 10 minute yeah. conversation. But then us, we've been chatting here for well over an hour now yeah. and feels like five or 10 minutes. Yeah. 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 yeah and I just, I, I'm, I'm comes to mind the, the parable of the widow's might. So it's like, give what you can give what you have and the Lord's going to bless it. Yeah. So, yep. A couple of the highlights for me. I mean, Throughout the document, he gives capital E Eucharist mm-hmm. and then lowercase e Eucharist. In paragraph five, um, he says Eucharistic worship, that's lowercase e, Eucharistic worship constitutes the soul of the Christian life. And just the need to constantly remember to go back to, and I'm, I'm hearing gratitude, like even the Gloria earlier. We yeah. give you thanks. What are we giving him thanks for? For his great glory. Thank you, God, for what for your greatness. Thank you for your glory. Mm-hmm. We give you thanks for that, for who you are. And so that's like the entryway. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, the Psalms say. Uh, and and just the that's the soul. And I I need to be reminded of that over and over. Like that's the heartbeat. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Thanksgiving is the entryway into this. The heart is the soul of of the Christian life. That yeah. leads to charity of neighbor. And the last thing I'll say is what I what I did share earlier of just the authentic worship must grow in an awareness of the dignity of each person. Yeah. Um, Jesus, you know, the documents say, which is, I think JP2 said it, he was probably the one that wrote it in the, in the Vatican II documents, but Jesus fully reveals man to himself. Yeah. Uh, and as he reveals you to you, to yourself, you increase in dignity of Jesus, seeing Jesus in the other person and your neighbor, that's authentic worship plays out in love of neighbor. Right. Um, and I, honestly, just candidly, guys, I, I'm getting more convicted of my own <laughs> need to spend time with our Eucharistic mm-hmm. Lord. Yeah. Like something has happened in my heart. And I pray, listener, in your heart as well, as you're listening to this, like, Lord, stir my heart to mm. love you and love neighbor and be generous with my yeah. time with you and neighbor. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah I mean, as you're saying that, one of the one of the pieces that I was struck by was this twofold disposition of the mind that we needed to have for this 
for this unity of the church to be manifest as as St. John Paul II points out here. He says, therefore, in Eucharistic communion, we receive Christ, Christ himself, and in our union with him, which is a gift and a grace for each individual, brings it about that in him we are also associated in the unity of his body, which is the church. And this is the point that you're making. Like, in this, we see Christ in our brothers and sisters. But he goes on to say, only in this way, through that faith and that disposition of mind, that that I received Christ and Christ is in me, and now I'm in union with everyone else who's received Christ, is there brought about that the building up of the church. So only in this faith and disposition of mind is there brought about that building up of the church, which is in the Eucharist and truly finds its source and summit. So, mm, so there's a mindset that has to be yeah. taken there. Yeah. Yeah. It's the source of charity. Yeah. Like if there's charity in the church, it's because of its source, which is the Eucharist. Yeah. Like it is the source of charity. The Eucharist is the source of charity, says in paragraph seven, and it has mm. always been at the center of one of the life of Christ's disciples. Like, yeah, I just, I see like, hmm. I see us with Encounter and Encounter is such a big initiative that we've poured so much into and um, is growing. It's, it's exploding. It's beautiful to watch happen. Um, but what's at the center of it? It's Christ himself. Right. It's not some sages on stages or whatever. It's it's personal one-on-one relationship with Christ himself, who is always the first mover mm-hmm. and yeah. always the one who initiates love unto us that we can respond to and abide right. in. Mm. Yeah. I'll take some more of that, please. Come on, yeah. more, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks to our awesome guest, Nick. Thank you for your witness. Yeah, dude. Thank you for your biceps. Yeah. Thank you no, for... Mostly, yeah, you're welcome. For, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for... No. no Seriously. If I could honor you in authentic, <laughs> if I could authentically honor you, just thank you for your witness to yeah. what it means to be a man in Christ. So thank yeah. you for um, being a big brother to me yep. in that way, Eric. Likewise, thanks yeah. for your um, your your mentorship for your yeah. for your brotherhood. Thanks for all that you're doing for the kingdom. Um, I can't wait to see what happens next in Kansas City yeah. and beyond. So. Yeah. Um, thank you to everybody out there for tuning in today. If this episode has blessed you, please, please, I implore thee, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, five stars, and as long as you're not driving, and uh, just help us get the word out there that Jesus is truly alive, that he's yep. about a good work in his church, and that he is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. Leaving a review is going to help us make that happen. So. Thank you so much. This has been New Mana. We'll see you next week.